Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, podcast number 373, will the Senate pass the SECURE Act 2.0, and is it going to require a Roth option for retirement savings? Plus, pandemic unemployment from the CARES Act and the earned income tax credits. Next, are you eligible to make Roth contributions, and should you contribute only to Roth for retirement? Then the fellas get into the pros and cons of consolidating retirement accounts and a couple of early retirement spitball analyses. Should you invest in dividend-paying stocks or real estate for your early retirement? And finally, is the bucket investing strategy really that complicated? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Um, what did we got? Brian from Queens. Hey, it's Brian from Queens. Super quick question. My 403B plan only offers pre-tax, although it seems most 401k, 403B, and 457s are now offering the Roth option. The Secure Act 2.0, if it passes, says that the age 50 and older catch-up contributions must be put into the Roth. That being said, must any of these retirement plans not currently offering the Roth option be forced to start offering it? Or do age 50 and older employees in those pre-tax only plans get cut off at the 20,500 unable to do the age 50 catch up. Curious on your thoughts. Very good question, Brian. Yeah, excellent question. So the Secure Act 2.0 just passed um, the Senate. It passed the House. A house. Yeah. It needs to go to the Senate. Correct. It passed 414 to 5. So I would say it's likely that the Senate may pass it. It's interesting because there's a lot of Rothification. You like that word? That's, that's excellent. Rothification of yeah. retirement plans. And, uh, yeah, exactly. So tell me what that means to you, that well, word. Well, what they're, you know, most of the things that are coming out is they want more Roth right. versus pre-tax. Right. Because they, they don't want people to take tax deductions. Yeah, they don't want the tax they, deduction. We, we need money. Yes. And they'll deal with that. Let's issue. not worry. <laughs> well, we won't worry about what happens in 20 years. Yeah, right. When everyone has tax-free money, they'll be like, right. oops. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Um, and so good question. So with his 403B, so 403B and 401k plans, it's all about the plan administrator. Right. So yeah, 401k plans have the Roth option. Some of them have the mega backdoor Roth. You know, you can put after-tax contributions in it. 403B plans have Roth provisions in them, but it's up to the his employer. So I'm not sure where Brian works. And so, you know, people think, hey, I have a 401k plan. So aren't all 401k plans created equal and the answer is no. Yeah, and and I would stop short of saying that the that this uh, Secure Act 2.0 is going to force plans to get Roths. I mean, we we've seen this kind of thing before, where it was it was strongly suggested, and a lot of firms, a lot of a lot of 401k plans, and others didn't do anything for years. So that yeah, the the catch up's not going to necessarily change at least for a while, and and even. In a case where a, a, a 403B does not make the change, um, you know, you're going to go, you're going to be going back to the plan itself. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Yeah, good point. A couple of other notes on the Secure Act 2.0 is the match contributions from employers. Right. Is always pre-tax. Um, but the match now could go Roth as well. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And and the uh, and the catch up 
could go up to $10,000. So that's another thing that could change. Yeah, there's different variations of the ketchup too, depending on the age yeah, as well. Yeah, not for everybody, but right. for when you're a little bit older. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. And and RMD age may change too. Yeah, so, 75. Yeah, but that's not going to be till 2032. Yeah, yeah, and then they ranch that up. It's like, it's, they're making this so difficult. They it is so stupid. <laughs> I mean, this that's not going to move the dial a, a, a little bit, right? There's some provisions in here that are pretty good. Yeah. But it's like, why are you making this? so complicated yeah and then in a lot of things there's exceptions for plans that are already existing where you don't have to do it so stay tuned we don't really know what's going to pass the senate actually has their own version of this bill of course they do and so it's not going to be what passed in the house so we'll have to see so you turn 72 and then it's like well i'm going to take my rmb and then the secure 2.0 passes and then it's like well i've already taken it can i push it to 73 <laughs> when does that start in 2030 now it's 75 that's um so interesting all of these retirement plans in the secure act in the cares act or um what's that other stupid act that um blew up the stretch oh the um, was that the secure act 1.0 yeah that was secure act one yeah setting yeah, every community up for retirement yeah. enhancement yeah, yeah at, at that point setting it, every community up for retirement enhancement yes thank you <laughs> yes and that, that was just called the secure act because we didn't know there'd be a second one so, but yeah, that was one of the worst bills <laughs> of all time you're saying uh, it wasn't retirement enhancement no, it, it didn't enhance anything. It didn't really change much. <laughs> change much of anything, except for it moved the RMB age from, I mean, the biggest thing was, okay, 70 and a half to 72, and then let's just blow up the stretch. Right. And the stretch IRA was one of the best, you know, t- tax tools that a lot of people have because right. it would be able to stretch the tax liability out over a young beneficiary's lifetime uh, versus yanking um, all those dollars out within 10 years. So. Right. Um, stay tuned. I guess we'll, we'll figure out a little bit more on, um, when, when is the Senate supposed to, uh, I think it's, uh, slated pretty soon. I don't know exactly when you're not on Capitol Hill kind of, <laughs> I got that, your fist on the on tables. The, on, <laughs> I have a 24 hour feed on my TV. You got it. All right. We got another question here from Leroy Brown. I think that's probably a fake name. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and notice it's spelled Leroy Brown. Brown. <laughs> um, baddest man in the whole damn town. That's, you got um, it. Um, hi, love your show. You guys are awesome. <laughs> uh, thank you, Leroy. Um, question. I got about 16K last year from the Pandemic Unemployment Program. A pandemic unemployment program. That's, yeah, that's, that's a, exactly what they called it. Right. Well, that's I guess that's what it was for. We've had the unemployment program for years, but a lot of people uh, applied for it because of the pandemic. Um, that was under the CARES Act. Yeah. Yeah, they extended get, it. Uh, yeah, the, and, and they, they extended the unemployment, the and then you could you, you could claim unemployment if you were self employed. Yep. Um, so they kind of enhanced the overall they, unemployment. They sure benefit. did. Uh, recently. Um, went to a DIY tax site. Okay. Tax layer. Went to tax layer DIY. Okay. So do it yourself first. Yes. Right. So Leroy's there playing around, Check, checking it out, checking okay. it out. Okay. To file my tax return and in the calculate mode, it says I should get a refund. However, when I filed the actual return, it now says I owe around 500 bucks. I'm bummed to say the least. Aren't I eligible for the earned income credit EIC? 
Um, I had no other income besides the PUC. <laughs> Pandemic unemployed. <laughs> Something. Uh, the puck. <laughs> uh, besides the puck. Help. Thanks. Uh, can you help him out? Can well, you help Leroy yeah, Brown out there, yeah, big Al? Leroy, um, your tax return is correct. Uh, uh, unemployment, uh, if that's all you have, that does not count as earned income. You need earned income to get, to get earned the earned income, income credit. credit. So just by having earned income, you could still qualify if you had other earned income besides the unemployed compensation, but it doesn't sound like you do. So you're out of luck, bud. Sorry. I hear that the Senate Finance Committee may hold a hearing and vote on the Secure Act 2.0 after their two-week Easter recess, so stay tuned. In the meantime, if you'd like a refresher on the retirement and tax law changes from the first Secure Act and the CARES Act, you can download our guides to both in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, where you can also read the transcript of today's episode, ask Joe and Big Al your money questions to be answered here on YMYW, and share the show to spread the love and the financial knowledge. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and get started. All right, let's go to Jackson uh, from Delaware. Uh, the wife and I are 34 and 32, have two kids, no pets, drive a 2013 Tesla, and my wife drives a mini countryman. Is that like a mini Cooper? Yes, a mini yes. Cooper. All right. Uh, we currently have our traditional Roth retirement assets split around 70-30 with the traditional assets around $450,000. We are currently near the top of the 22% income tax bracket. In the next few years, anticipate getting closer to or into the next income bracket. Okay. Depending on how much traditional 401k contributions we make, we are currently splitting our retirement contributions about 50-50 between Roth and traditional, which helps us easily stay under the Roth contribution income limit. In retirement, the projected pension income is about $40,000 in today's dollars. My question is, if we should switch to all Roth contributions in the 401k and 457, aside from the company match from here on out, even if it takes us into the next tax bracket over the next few years, or would you continue to split the contributions 50-50 and plan for as many Roth conversions as possible to the top of the 22, especially when the markets are down? Or is it all the same? In the end, our goal is to be financially independent and we'll be able to retire if we want in about 20 years, spending about $100,000 a year. My wife does have access to a 457. So if we come financially independent before then, we would plan to withdraw from that first without penalty and try to stay in the lowest tax bracket. Thanks for the awesome, informative show. Keep up the great work. Cool. Thanks, Jackson. Um, cool. He's kind of toggling tax brackets here and he, right. he's like, all right, well, we have these two plans and we're just going to go 50, 50. Yeah. I'm not sure which is right. Let's do some of each, but he's in the 22% tax bracket and he feels like he's going to be in a higher tax bracket later. So I would go a hundred percent Roth if it keeps you in the 22% tax bracket. That's yeah. my answer. And even the next bracket is 24%, which isn't all that bad. And the 22% will become 25 and the 24 will become 28 in 2026. So we've got lower brackets right now. And so if you can afford it, then yeah, maybe, maybe even max it out all the way. I mean, we, I guess I don't know enough about your overall situation, but I think when you're younger, and if, as long as you're in a reasonable tax bracket, um, why not max out that Roth? Get years and years of tax-free growth. Right. Uh, the only thing I would be l- looking out for 
is your uh, adjusted gross income. So if your adjusted gross income, if you can stay in the 22 and still qualify, which you would be able to because the top of the 22 is. I think it's like uh, 180. Let's see here. Yeah, one, 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 yeah, 180, 178. Yeah. And then the, uh, Roth contribution limit. So yeah, as you can see in the 22 and you still be able to contribute to Roth. Okay. I like that idea. So, so it's, if you need to have some deductible, 401k to get yourself below the, the Roth convert, the Roth contribution, which is what, 204,000. Yep. And then you could do as many Roth conversions as you want to, because those are not counted for the income limitation rule for Roth contribution. So go to Roth as much as you can to stay under the Roth threshold and then do Roth contributions as well. If the, if your income gets too high and it pushes the adjusted gross income, where you're unable to make Roth contributions, then that's when you go back to the 401k and then you would do pre-tax to get you under the limit. Then you can make your Roth contributions. And as Al just said, you could do conversions all day long. You could convert to the top of the 24 if you wanted to. And that does not affect the modified adjusted gross income for Roth contributions. Exactly. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, that the Roth contributions do not affect affect the modified adjusted gross income for Roth contributions. Roth conversions is what you meant to say. Did I? Yeah. You said contributions. I know I screwed it up as I was halfway through. Yeah. It's okay, bud. <laughs> that's, uh, that's why you're here. All right. Uh, next question is Terry from Florida. He goes, greetings, Andy, Joe, and Al. I hope you all are doing well. Thank you, Terry, for the nice little introduction. I have a question about Roth contributions. Uh, you had discussed in a previous show, but I wasn't sure if my situation would allow the contributions. We have been contributing to our brokerage accounts, but we're wondering if we could still contribute to a Roth. Last year, I earned uh, income of $6,200, but converted about $325,000 to a Roth. Is there a situation where I could have contributed to a Roth if I would have made a contribution to a Roth before I made the conversion? Okay. Now this year I have earned income of $7,000, but will convert about $325,000 to a Roth. Is there a situation where I could contribute to a Roth if I make the contribution before I make the conversion? It has to do with Maji. If your ability to contribute to a Roth IRA is affected by your modified adjusted gross income, contributions to a Roth IRA will be phased out if your modified adjusted gross income is between 204 and 214 for a married couple filing joint return for the 2022 tax year. If so, then I can contribute $7,000 to a Roth. My wife also contributes $7,000 this year. Regards, Terry. Um... So Terry's a little confused on the rule that we talked about a little bit earlier. Yes. So let's, yeah, let's repeat it. So the, the Roth conversion does not affect your ability to do a Roth contribution. It's not included in the modified adjusted gross income for a Roth contribution. That's why it's modified adjusted gross income. It's not adjusted gross income. It's modified to the adjusted gross where they take certain things out of the adjusted gross, such as a conversion to a Roth. Right. So Terry, so your income for purposes of doing a Roth contribution is $7,000, right? So yeah, you have no problem. Go ahead and, and do contributions. And, uh, but you can only do a contribution up to your earned income. 
right? Which is 6,200 in, I, I presume last year and 7,000 the current year. So that's the total you can do between you and your spouse. You can't double up on it. Right. Um, and he could still make that Roth contribution until April 15th of the following year. Yeah. Depending. Right. Exactly. Depending upon when this podcast airs. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. It'll be in the next couple of weeks. Well, it needs to be next week. Right. Probably here in January. <laughs> well, it'll be relevant for the following year. Yes. So he can, Terry can still make a contribution for last year, even though he made a $325,000 Roth conversion. Um, he's got 6,200 bucks, but he can only contribute up to that $6,200 limit. Yep. So he's also asked the question about him and his wife. He's like, well, here, can I contribute 7,000 to a Roth? Can my wife also contribute 7,000? Well, if there's $7,000 on the tax return of a married, finally joint couple, then 7,000, I mean, she could put 35 into hers and you could put 35 into yours. Yeah. You're, you're always limited to the earned income as a couple. So to put the maximum amount, you would, you would have to have $14,000 of earned income. All right. Um, we got Marion from Fresno, California writes in, in 2021, I left my W2 job with a 401k uh, for a 1099 contracting job. I opened a SEP IRA for the federal income tax deduction for 2021. In 2022, my 1099 job was converted to a W-2 job with another 401k. My question is, what are the pros and cons of combining my 401k with my SEP IRA or my old 401k and SEP IRA into my new 401k? My old 401k has both Roth and traditional contributions. Been listening for years to your podcast. After binge watching your videos... Who binge watches these videos? <laughs> Marion does, know. obviously. Well, and she's not the first. <sighs> Still have that 2019 red Silverado and drink Kieran beer to excess when it's available. When available. Marion, let's hang out. <laughs> have some Kieran beer. Okay, so first of all, Mary, you cannot contribute to a dormant 401k plan. So if you have an old 401k plan from a old employer, um, you cannot contribute to that plan anymore. Uh, you have to be an active participant within that plan. So even though you have the 401k with an old employer, it has to come from payroll. It has to come from your paycheck. So if you do not receive a paycheck from that company, they will not put it into an old 401k. They're only going to put it into their 401k that they drafted with their own plan documents. Uh, SEP IRA, you need that 1099 income to contribute to the SEP IRA. So if you do not have 1099 income, um, it, all you're doing is, is creating more clutter. Um, I would just consolidate all of the accounts into the new 401k plan um, and make life a little bit simpler. Yeah, I, I agree too. There, there's, there's really not much disadvantage in doing that. But let me ask you a question, Joe. When you have an old 401k, do you have to first roll it to an IRA and then roll it up to a new that your new 401k or can you go straight from 401k to 401k? Um, it depends on the, the, the receiving company, but I've, I don't think it matters. I, I would imagine that the 401k would take it from another 401k depending on the plan document. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. Or you just put it into an IRA and then you, you do a rollover IRA and then the rollover IRA, you throw it into the 401k. Yeah. So the reason you do this, Marion, is because of simplicity. You just have one account instead of three. So that, that's the main reason. Unless your new 401k has very poor investment options, then maybe you want to roll 
everything into an IRA and just have an IRA and a 401k. Yeah. Um, but you have a little bit more, you know, protection, I guess, in a 401k. You do. And you can do the backdoor Roth. Yeah. Yeah. That, wait, that wait, wait, avoids wait. pro rata rules. <laughs> True. Um, so yeah, Marion, I would put everything into the new 401k and call it good. So should you consolidate your retirement accounts? Are they invested in such a way that you sleep soundly at night, even if the stock market looks like a wild roller coaster ride? Go to the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click get an assessment to schedule a free financial assessment with one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. That's a fee-only fiduciary financial planning firm. Pure is not going to sell you investments, but they will help you make decisions and put a financial plan in place that fits with your needs, goals, and circumstances. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, then click get an assessment to schedule your one-on-one video meeting at a date and time that works for you. Hello, YMYW family. Marcus from Queens, New York City. Is this our buddy Marcus? Nope. Totally different Marcus. Different Marcus. Well... Welcome to the family, Marcus. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Oh, I should have just continued to read. <laughs> uh, first, I'll up the show. I listen to it daily. Driving my Mini Cooper. What the hell is up with these And it's Mini a countryman. <laughs> Married couple, 27, 28. Um, asking for some spitball on how to maximize our financial situation. We have a three-year-old Mini Poodle, and wifey drives a Tesla Model Y. Um, I just got her a YMYW. I just got her on the YMYW podcast and she loves it. Killing it. Way to go, big Al. <laughs> and Mr. Joe. Here's our situation. All right, let's go. Marcus, what do we got going on today? Okay, W2 income, $300,000 evenly split. Um, I have a 1099 job that brings in about $60,000. Currently, we are both maxing out our 403B contributions plan to the max. We both don't have the you know what, and I always felt like it would be too much of a hassle given the fact that we needed to do the backdoor traditional to Roth. After listening to your podcast, now I feel like such an idiot for never opening up a Roth IRA and doing the yearly backdoor. Got to do the yearly backdoor, Big Al. If you qualify, yes. And you know, you're in your 20s. It's not too late. We own our home in NYC. With about $800,000 in equity and $400,000 mortgage, 3.65% fixed, 25 years, no other debt. We plan to live here for the next five to 10 years. After all, mortgage, cars, living expenses, we all are saving on an average of 10, uh, 10K um, and are basically funding it into our Vanguard brokerage account. Current brokerage account is $300,000. Okay, 403B has around $100,000 together. The 403B plan at doesn't have great options. Um, the 403B plans that they have do not have great options. So ours are in a simple tax deferred 2060. So that's a target date a fund. Target date fund. Uh, thanks, Andy. Um, we plan on continuing to max our 403B and beginning to realize account will have some serious taxes upon withdrawals, RMDH. He's worried about RMDH. In his 20s. Yeah. Well, you got to think ahead. He's a planner. Because, you know, by age 75, (laughs) they're going to be high. (laughs) Uh, For my 1099 job, I've been contributing to the SEP IRA to around 25% of my net. Wife would like to retire at around age 45. 
Oh, wifey's a little fire girl. Uh, we expect our yearly expenses at retirement to be about $150,000 to $200,000. Both jobs will have a pension that will likely add at least $40,000 to fixed income at retirement each. I plan to work on 255 and hopefully retire on the sunny island of Maui. Wow, you were just there. I was just there. I was on the sunny island of Maui. Um, I understand we are in a very privileged situation and would like to take the most of our finances. If there's anything we are missing, and do you have friendly conversations on what else we should be doing? Thank you guys for amazing podcasts and Andy's random comments. It's hilarious. I have learned so much and will continue to listen for as long as you guys are hosting. Thanks again. With love from NYC. Wow. wow, That's very sweet. Just made my heart (laughs) go pitter pat. Thanks, Marcus. Okay. I'm a new Marcus Um, fan. What the So I don't know. Where do we start here? Hmm. Well, uh, so he's got $300,000. Um, of W-2 income. So they're making $360,000 a year. They're maxing out the 403B plans, right? They got $100,000 in 403B um, plans together, $300,000 in the brokerage account. So they got $400,000 all day. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yep. Okay. And then there's 27, 28, and and she wants to retire at 44, and he's going to retire at 55. Yep. Uh, So he's got about 30 years, and she's got Around yeah, got about 20 ish, something like that. Okay. But they want to live off 150 to $200,000 a year. Right. Uh, they're going to have some pensions um, at 40, but I don't think a pension is going to pay out at yeah, I don't, 45 I don't, years old. I don't think so either. So I think what their plan, so she's going to retire before him. So he's going to work that extra 10 years, which presumably would cover their living expenses, but perhaps they wouldn't be saving as much. So basically they have little less than 20 years to save a bunch. So Marcus, you're leaving out a couple of things that we need here to have a little friendly conversation um, or a little spitball. I, we need to know how much you're spending, bud, right? Well, because that, that, that kind of drives how you back in the numbers. For instance, if you're spending $60,000 a year, right? And you want to retire at, she wants to retire at 44. And, but you're making $150,000 W2 and $60,000 Right. The only thing that's really going to be adjusted is probably how much money that you're saving in your brokerage account. So whatever dollar that you're saving or spending, right, you just index that with inflation. So at age 44, okay, you're still good, but your savings rate is going to go down. Or you go to age 55, that's 60,000 and 20 years from now is like more or less $100,000. Right. And so, but you want to spend one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars in retirement. So, does that mean at your retirement, or does that mean her retirement? And because is, then that's going to dictate how much that you can actually save, right? Because and, and is that in current dollars, or is that in twenty you, years from now, or thirty years from now? Because let, let's just say he he wants to spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they want that one hundred fifty thousand dollars at his retirement. So that's what thirty years from now. Yeah, right? almost. Um, so if I'm looking at that 30 years and let's just assume three and a half percent inflation, right? So that's 421,000 right. and he's at 55 and you don't want to take out any more than 3% out of the portfolio at that age, at yeah. that age. So you need 14 million. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big, big number, right? 
because you're not you're probably not going to well i'm you know maybe he, they will be getting some pensions by then but still it's minimal compared to what the need is right because 200,000 given inflation in 30 years is 400 grand right yeah. right and you take 3% you divide that into $400,000 it's it's a huge number now that's if this is in current day dollars if it's in future dollars then it's not quite as yeah, bad yeah so if you want $150,000 in future dollars right so now you need 5 million bucks you already have $400,000 saved Right. And then you got 30 years and let's say you get 7% on your money and you save $50,000 a year. Right. Now that's $8 million. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, so you, you could run the numbers any way that you want. You're sure. very fortunate because you, 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 you have huge resources in regards to how much money that they make. Right. Right. Um, so the, I don't even know what the hell the question is. <laughs> he just wants to know if he's on track, if there's he anything that they're missing, missing, anything, anything, anything else they should be doing. And I, I think they, I think the answer is you're saving a ton, which is going to allow you flexibility in the future. And in terms of, it's just a matter of really kind of dialing this in what, what, because we don't know if the 150 or 200 is in today's dollars or future dollars, because that makes a huge difference. Because as Joe just said, $200,000 in 30 years from now is going to be like 425 or whatever number you came with, came up with. So right. it's going to be double. It's a big number. Yeah. Um, so then the amount of money that you have to save to get there is going to change significantly unless you're like, Hey, I want, you know, 150 future dollars is fine too. Now they are saving a full, uh, 403B as well as about 120,000 because they're saving about 10,000 a month or is that 10,000 a year in their brokerage account? The, Probably, must be 10,000 a month because they already have 300,000 in it. Yeah. So if they're, so if they're spending, you know, saving 200,000 bucks a year. So right, I'd say no. I'd say one fifty. Twenty plus, yeah, one fifty. Good number. All right, so they're saving one fifty a year. They already have four hundred thousand dollars saved. Let's say you got twenty years for wifey to retire. So that's eight million dollars. Yeah. In twenty years, you take three percent of that. It's two hundred fifty thousand dollars of income that yeah. can be produced. Yeah. If he's still going to work for another ten years. Right. You don't take the income from that. That's right. going to continue it, to grow for grow. another 10 years. And you, you don't save anymore. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you don't even have to save anymore. Um, right. Because you got 8 million growing. That, that's going to turn into 16 in 10 years. Potentially it could, it could double. Right. Sure. So, yeah, I think Marcus, you're on track. All right. We got Lance <clears throat> writes in from Indiana. He goes, Hey y'all, my name's Lance. Do, do people proofread before they send stuff to us? I don't think so. <laughs> hey, y'all, my name's Lance, and I'm 22. <laughs> I'm working on building my wealth. I'm an assistant store manager at an auto zone and saving for a down payment for my second house. Second house, Lance. That's pretty good. Killing it. I want to be able to retire as early as possible, such as 45. Should I invest into dividend stocks or put some in Roth for later on? Or should I keep my most of my investment portfolio on real estate and live off the rent once everything's paid down? Please and plan. That's <laughs> supposed to be plan. Listen, PLSN. PLSN. Please and to P own. Please and is to own <laughs> around three to four investment um, once uh, uh, investment properties. I drive a '96 Nissan Skyline. I imported from Japan. And my drink of choice is rum and coke. Thank y'all. Love the podcast. Well, love you, Lance. 
<laughs> Thank you for the <laughs> colorful email. Yeah, all uh, good. Um, so he's 22, saving. He's going to buy a second house. Yeah, so um, I guess maybe he's got one he lives in, and this will be a rental. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, so first of all, some of the questions here is like, should I put it in dividend paying stocks? So he's go into a globally diversified portfolio, first of all, of stocks. Right. Go index fund. Think that. Go ETF, you know, very low cost. So such as like the Vanguard Total U.S. Stock Market Index Fund. So you're global. I mean, you're totally diversified in the U.S. And then you go total U.S. or, or total non-U.S you know, index funds. So you can get emerging market in, in international exposure. Um, that's where I would go versus kind of focusing on like a dividend strategy, especially at 22. Um, should you open a Roth? Yes, absolutely. Open up a Roth IRA um, and, you know, buy the second house, but I wouldn't want to be, you know, real estate rich and, and not have any liquidity. So you want a little bit of balance in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. The answer Lance is both. You want to do both. And so don't get your uh, real estate is a, is a asset class and it goes up and it goes down and it can go down dramatically. So just be aware of that. Yes. I love real estate, but make sure you don't um, uh, avoid contributing to the Roth IRA. Cause that's, that's an important part of your retirement. Uh, let's see. Okay. We got rich coming in from shy town. Hey, Joe, Alan, Andy, love the show. Retired police officer. All right. Thank you very much for your service. Rich, uh, drive a Highlander. I love a good bourbon. Yeah, I like bourbon too. Not while driving. Um, have a question about the popular bucket strategy. Okay. Have read and listened to planners explain the strategy and how it works. Being able to live off bucket one when the market is down, filling up the same bucket when the market returns among several other bucket rules and decision points. Why is this any different than withdrawing your money from any asset, even stocks when they are down, but then turning around and making any needed adjustment to keep your whole portfolio um, at your allocation, say a 60-40. This would be done keeping an eye on the wash rule. Um, if the same, this would be much simpler method to explain and follow. It sounds like planners are making this much more complicated than it should be. Am I wrong? Thanks for the show. Um, all right, Rich. Yes, you're absolutely right. I agree with that. 100%. Bucket strategy is 100% marketing, in my opinion. Um, you know, you got bucket number one, it's going to be cash, cash equivalents. And then bucket number two, it's going to be moderate. And you're going to have some bonds in here. Um, Andy's old boss would probably sell a lot of annuities and non-traded REITs <laughs> in that bucket. And then yes. you have bucket three, which is stocks. Yeah. But you put that all together and you just kind of look at the overall mix. It's probably a 60, 40 split anyway. Yeah. And, and when you're taking money out, you keep your 60, 40 split. So if, if stocks go up, you take it from there. If stocks go down, you take, you take it, from it from bonds. bonds. Very simple. Right. It doesn't then, have to be complicated. And then you have some cash. Yeah. Right. But what, what makes more sense is looking at what is the demand for the portfolio? What needs to come from the portfolio is going to be determine what the mix is, right? right? Is it 70, 30? Is it 60, 40? Is it 50, 50? Whatever, because there's risk tolerance and risk capacity. And we can get and bore you and make it more complicated than it is. But Rich, I think you're right on. The bucket strategy is more of a marketing strategy to make it more confusing for people that says, oh, I need the bucket strategy. You know the bucket strategy? I got to get myself some got, buckets. Got some buckets yeah. I need some buckets. Um, all right. Thanks, Rich. Uh, thank you so much, Big Al. Andy, it's good to be back. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Show's got your money or well. 
investing strategies and bosses. They both matter a lot. Anyway, Marion, how Joe remembers emailers versus how Big Al remembers emailers, and the Mini Cooper fan club in the derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule your free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are that one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies that help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. It's important to remember this show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in this broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I remember Marion. I, I do too. I remember the Kieran Beer. Right. Well, I remember the name Marion from President. Got it. Uh, see, you say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> you think beer? I think talent. Got it. <laughs> but what's a countryman? It's like a bigger version. It's, yeah, it's slightly. Like a, I think like, it's, it's like a station wagon. So it's yeah. a Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't they call it a Cooper? It's, a... it's bigger, I guess. Cooper station wagon. Probably like a Cooper. I know that because my neighbor has one. Does it have wood side? Wood, wood, wood <laughs> no. family on it? Doesn't have that, but uh, they love Mini Coopers because they got two of them. Got it. Dave Cook had a Mini Cooper. Oh, okay. We were at the racetrack one time and we like. Did you fit in it? Oh yeah, I had a shotgun. <laughs> but then I think we had four people in the back. It was like a circus. Oh, uh, okay, like yeah. That little clown car. We right, had right. Like six people in that. All right, open the sunroof so you can stick your head out. You got it, brother. <laughs> All right. I mean, we have Mini Cooper crazed fans, Al. <laughs> you know, uh, for people that have Mini Coopers, they seem to love them. I, I'm telling I'm, you, I've I, never I actually, didn't. I've never driven one nor ridden in one, so I can't really address that. I didn't know that. You know, we we have a Mini Cooper following. Yeah. I, I we used to own a Mini Cooper. It was not a Countryman, but it was a Mini, and they are so expensive to get repaired, which is why we got uh, rid of it. I have heard that, and yeah. they don't really have as for a small car. They don't really have good gas mileage. Either. No, it's true. Guess what? Yeah, we want to stick critique. This. Yeah, critique the poor Mini Cooper Countryman. Um, I don't know. I love the uh, Mini Cooper. Keep them coming. Um, <laughs> I just told you everything I know about Mini Coopers, so that's as much as I got. 